All right. Mr. Douglas, welcome. How hey, are you, man? Happy, happy New Year. Happy New Year to you guys. Welcome to the Crestcore Real Estate Hour. I'm your host, Dean Harris. Happy to be here today, man. It's got a New Year vibe to it, doesn't it? 2022. That's right. Well, I appreciate you guys tuning in today. Um, you can catch the show after it's over on Facebook, Spotify, um, wherever you catch your YouTube, wherever you catch your uh, podcasts. Uh, we'll post it on there a couple hours afterwards. If you have any questions about today's episode or anything else, you can email me, dean at crestcore.com. I'll be happy to help you with that, get you going. If you have any show topics, that's one thing we haven't asked in mm-hmm. a while. Have any show topics you want us to talk about, please let us know. Um, but I'm ready to go here. today. Uh, today's topic is going to be, we got two. Yep. Uh, we're going to give you, for all your viewing pleasure, we're going to give you two topics today and kind of keep each one of them a little brief because there's, you know, there's just not a whole lot of details in both of these. So we thought we'd cram them. And both they're in. flip sides of the same coin. And they're flip sides of the coin. So we're going to start off by, I get, I'm getting this a lot, how to make your offer more competitive when you're a buyer's, yes. uh, when you're a buyer and I'm representing you or anyone for that matter, how to make your offer more competitive. I am having one to three conversations a week right now with buyers um, trying to figure out how to get their offer accepted. Yep. So we're going to go through there. The part two of this is what to do to get your investment home ready to list. So um, we it is the time to sell. Yes. We're still in that time frame of, hey, we believe our prices have leveled. If I don't know that they're going to dip or raise, I don't, you know, who knows. But right now I do believe they've leveled. It is a time to sell. Um, so we're going to talk about mm-hmm. some small things to do to get it a little more presentable, yes. a little bit more attractive to buyers. So let's go yep, back cool. up to this making an offer. So Douglas, I, if I send out a good house right now, if I send out a house at Bartlett, three, eight, one, three, four for 150 grand that rents for 1300 or $1,400. That's a three, two. It, I, I would get 10 offers. Sure. Much less the listing agent or whoever else. So, you know, I'm, I'm what we need to tackle here in this next few minutes is what to make them more competitive. I've got a few notes, but I want to, I'm, I do this every day. So I just spit this yeah. right out. What do you think, what comes to mind when it's make your offer more competitive? It, I love it. You know, I always got to start with a bigger picture, yep. which is the sales in 2021 outpaced sales in 2020, mm-hmm. which outpaced sales in 2019. Yep. So it's a competitive type of environment. And getting worse or, and or getting more competitive. Getting more competitive inventory. You know, I don't know if we link in show notes to the MAR, yep. but they put out every month. They put out their stats, and of course, inventory was high, and it dipped, yep. and it kind of came up, and guess where it's been going the past few months? Down. Back down. So, again, that's why this is a very important issue, because yes. it's the inventory, the supply demand that we talk about, yep. the big picture things that are driving this. Mm-hmm. So, if you're trying to make your offer competitive, I mean, there is nothing more competitive than all cash, no contingency. There's nothing. Quick, quick close. But if you have all cash and no contingency, there's no. I mean, all it's going to take is a title, title search, work. and then you're done. Yep. So, I mean, there is nothing more competitive than that. Yes. So, is that realistic? Sometimes. Let me tell you of an all. Well, yeah, I, I know all cash. 
no contingencies. That's that's what that's the that's the best you can do from a make an offer standpoint. Not yes. anything else. Yes. We're not going to talk about your risk or your what we're saying is you're the most competitive offer that there is on the table. Cash close as soon as title works back. No contingencies. Yes, and probably even potentially a lower offer than one that's contingent on financing, contingent on inspections, contingent, contingent, contingent. Yeah. So you could, they, they would probably accept you a little bit lower for all cash. Sure. I mean, if it's 20 grand or whatever, no, but if it's a couple of thousand dollars, like sellers in this market are taking that cash deal. Yes. So that, I mean, that's the, that's the thing you got to do. And so how realistic is that? Some all cash, you know, I would say, if you are a long-term buyer, if you are in this for buy and hold and you are going to be building a rental portfolio, yep. as we've talked about building a relationship with your bankers and whoever, one of the things that high priorities for 2022, if you don't already, you need to figure out a plan and put a plan in place to have a, a mechanism by which you can make all cash offers. Yep. Whether it is cash or credit that is like cash, whether yep. it's line of credit. A, 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 some type of line of credit. Maybe it's a high dollar amount credit card. Maybe it's a free and clear property. Maybe it's a home equity line of credit. Maybe it is a line of credit against some a securities portfolio. Maybe it's it's a relationship with, a family or friend who can loan you really cheap or, you know, something where yeah. you have a way to make all cash offers. If you don't, and you're a long-term buyer, that, that to me would be something in 2022 as a, as a goal to Move work to. towards and start with, start with 50 grand, hundred grand, 150, 250, you know, and work your way up over time. Yeah. That that would be that that would be a, a great goal, and that's something I personally did and continually work on. It took me a year to get the line of my line of credit to where it's at now. It took me flipping it over four or five times with the bank. They're not just going to hand you a. Well, and I started with the home equity line of credit. I bought my house. See? I paid. I put some down initially. Yeah. Then I bought. Then I then it appreciated. So I had a little spread, yeah. and I went to the bank and I got a line of credit and started on buying. that. Yeah. And then I. Long story, I paid that off, and then I had the whole equity in that house, yeah. and then it snowballs after that. But again, yeah. and it's it, it's not you didn't happen in a day. But then I borrowed from I got a line of credit from a close family member yep. that was allowed me to do some things that was like well, like cash. So again, all of this to say is cash. How do you get something where you can make a cash offer and it's not contingent upon? financing which then becomes contingent upon an appraisal most likely so you're you're just putting yourself in a less competitive position which is what the whole topic is is how do you make yourself more competitive in a in a less competitive market the cash deal is not as powerful as the loan deal because it's the same check at closing you know what i mean like sure i used to have sellers tell me no i'm not taking 10 grand less because it's the same well that, that that those markets are different right right now it's like wow, I don't have to fool with this, this, and this. This is such a high price. I better take this while I can. You yep. know what I mean? Even yep. if it's a little bit lower than that conventional loan. So that's good. So yes. putting yourself in a position to offer cash, that's great. Great description yes. of that. So, I, you know, my first was cash and a quick close. 
we can't close any quicker than the title work. Mm-mm. So it's, it's it going to be a week, couple, to couple weeks. Two weeks. I mean, their title companies are backed up. Closing attorneys are full. Right. So yeah, you got a couple weeks. Yes. Um, escalation clauses is one thing that, it, that I have been advising. So let me explain okay. that real quick. Um, cause I, there's, I've gone back and forth on the explanations for this. So let's say the list price is a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. You're comfortable paying $108,000, but you, you don't necessarily want to start it off at the top. Okay. Right. Yeah. 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 You can make an offer of 90, this is an example of 95,000 with a $1,000 escalation clause up to $108,000. So your initial offer comes in at 95. You have that verbiage in there. You tell the agent or you tell the uh, the seller where you're at. And if another offer comes in at 102, 102,000, your offer automatically without any consulting or without anything is at 103. Mm-hmm. Okay. If the offer comes in at 107, your offer is 108. That was your max, right? Yep. If an offer comes in at 115,000, your offer is now done. It's void because your max was 108. A lot of people say, why in the world would you submit that? The listing agent can just get a fake contract and give you one. They got to show us a contract. They've got to show us the buyer, who it is that it's a real contract that initiated this clause. A lot of times, if you talk to an agent, if they really want to get specific, they've got to accept that other contract, sign it, and agree to it. And then the escalation clause kicks in. Most of them don't go through that trouble and the headache with the other person because mm-hmm. it's you know it, it, it you know it's going to ruffle their feathers. So right, to speak. right, right. But in technical. Like if you really wanted to get down to it, they have to literally accept it. And then this moves in. Now, if they just present this offer to me and my client, I'll take that. Especially if I know the agent, I'll take that and say, okay, yeah, this is what it is. But that's what an escalation clause does. It assures two things. You have the best offer coming in. You made your best offer. If it came in at 115 and your max was 108, well then that wasn't for me. It wasn't for you. You know, that that house wasn't for me. But if you, you come don't in want to overpay and you do not want to yeah, overpay, yeah. I'll never tell you to do that. Yeah. So if you come in at 95 and you end up paying 99, well, that's great. You didn't have to pay that extra $8,000, $9,000 to get you where you wanted to be. So the escalation clause protects you from having this feeling, you know, you offered 95. Dang, man, it sold for 98. I'd have paid 99. Well, it, you, you, I don't want. I do that with HUD houses online. Yes. When you're bidding yep. online, yep. I tell them, "Hey, you don't know who's bidding. You know, bid what you're comfortable losing the home at." That's the phrase I always say. I agree. Is, is yeah, it, bid it, it, what you're comfortable losing it at. That's right. And whether escalation clause is a great tool to use. Yeah. Or just going flat out with you, your highest and best. Or you can do that. Or you can come in and just say, "Hey, 108 is my number. Let me have it." Yeah, because that's what you you're willing to pay for it. Yeah, I I if if they're if I have an investor that says, hey, let's just do that, I I'll I'll push them to the escalation clause. Good. I mean, if I can save them three or four thousand yeah. dollars and get the house, then I think I, it's my job to save them three or four thousand dollars to get the house. Yeah, I agree. That's good. All right, so escalation clauses. What do you think know? about do in investment properties? I know there's a thing on on the residential owner occupant side called love letters. On uh, the the investment side, I've I've. <laughs> I've sent those. And the love letters for for the listeners are? 
The love letters for the listeners are, let's say you're in your residential home. You give a description of you and your family and why you want to buy this home, how much it would mean to you to be in this market in that neighborhood. You have young kids that want to enjoy the schools or if there's a feature about the home, the pool, your kids or uh, location or uh, you want to keep the home. A, a lot of people do this. If it's an older home that has um, um antique type finishes and features to the home yeah, historic the, sell, the, or something. Store, yeah. the seller might want the new owner to keep that up okay okay I've, that doesn't happen a lot here right. but so that's a love letter that's a love letter do the love letters work on the investor side no <laughs> no yeah. i've submitted a couple of them because the buyers wanted me to do that but the right. investor at the end of the day is just like i could care less what they're doing with the property i just want to get my number and go that's right a lot less of emotion with this versus the love letter for your residential home. Right. You're, okay. you're trying good, to pull good. at the heartstrings of the sellers, what you're really trying to do. Yeah, right. for sure. And pulling on the heartstrings of the seller of, a, of an investment. So that's not necessarily going to make your, that, no. or, or it is not going to make your offer more competitive in this market. I would be shocked. I think it would be a, a one letter. out of 10. Gotcha. I think one out of 10, if you, if you attach that letter to it, would appreciate that. But, um, no, okay. it's, and I don't have to be honest with you. I've man, I've had, had one or two even. Yeah, do just that. Cur I just curious. Yeah, just, yeah, just didn't know. Um, okay, so the next one we're talking about escalation call waiving some contract contingencies. Um, let's talk about this for a second. Yeah. I if you're obtaining a loan, mm -hmm. you're going to have an appraisal. Okay, you can waive that appraisal contingency. Yes, your bank's still going to do the appraisal. And still have a financing contingency. And still have a financing contingency. Correct. Yes. But you can waive the appraisal contingency, and that gives the seller a little bit more warm and fuzzy feeling of, hey, if it appraises a little low, this guy's saying he doesn't care. He wants he, to move on. Correct. Right. So they can still back out from the loan contingency part of it, but it at least makes that seller feel like, hey, that's one less thing I've got to worry about, especially in our market, right? Because our prices have gone up. Yeah, if the appraiser doesn't quite get to where, appraisal doesn't quite get to where it needs to be for yeah. the financing. Yeah, then that's one reason why they would, why they would do that, yes. Yes, because then you, you the seller, the buyer saying, I'll bring a little more money to the I'll table. bring a little more if it's and a that's few okay. thousand. And, and that, that will make your offer more competitive. That does make your offer more competitive. Now, some people have asked me, should I remove the inspection contingency? I'm never going to tell you to do that. I'm, I'm not going to advise it. As a licensed real estate agent, as somebody that is your representative as a buyer, I'm never going to say that. If we look at the house and it's been completely refurbished, yeah. We've got pictures and videos, and it looks fantastic. Maybe you roll that dice. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if there's any kind of indication like there's a rehab or, or, or it's a tenant living in the property or whatever, I just can't advise to do it. I just, yeah. We, and, and we, we uh, just bought a property, had been in it two years ago. You had? Uh-huh. Uh -huh. And was comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. It sold. Long story. Came back, the seller had to, who bought it didn't do anything with it. Yep. It's been vacant for two years. Yep. In order to get him to sell it, we had to go with a no waived inspection. Yep. But we hadn't been in it in two years, but he hadn't done anything with it in two years. So we rolled the dice a little bit. Yep. This is for a church. So yeah. we, we, we rolled the dice a little bit, mm -hmm. but we went in, we, we got in it during the period. Couldn't couldn't get out of the contract, and it was fine. There was a little bit of some stuff that, that popped but, up, but popped up over that two years. But 
but we were able to waive the con the inspection contingency because we'd been in the property previously and it made our offer yeah the one he accepted and we closed and it's great here's another or one, another example of where i might waive it yep. i'm still never yeah i mean we were we were <laughs> right. when we went in there we're like we were planning for the worst and we got oh goodness thank you thank you thank yeah. you I the only other way I could see a buyer being willing to do that is if the home needs an enormous rehab. Yeah, there you go. There you like, go. If the home, if you can see the pictures and it needs thirty grand, a roof and HVAC floors, who cares about the inspection? Run out there and make sure that it's not caving into the earth, right? And then you're going to fix it. You're doing yeah. a thirty thousand dollar rehab. That's right. The only thing would be structural, right? Yeah. That would be it. And even then, it's like you can fix that. You're planning on it. I, I, in the past, I have done that with investment properties. Like, I'm going to buy it. Regardless. Regardless. Yeah. So it would just take something it. dramatic. I always tell people black mold and structural. But if you can get in and see the pictures, you could tell if there's some mold in there. And, and you, you can fix, and both, you can of those fix both of those things. If you so, want that property bad enough for, for whatever the case may be. Yeah. The so. middle of the road property, I say no yeah, way. No. We got to inspect it. Yep. The turnkey property, I'll let you guys mm. choose that, but that's a that's a possibility to do. And the one that needs a ton of rehab, I'm actually comfortable with. No, I don't. Right. I yeah, send my yeah. rehab guy there right. to tell me how much it costs, but I yeah. don't do any kind of yeah. contingency. Right. On it. And so, again, we're talking about how to make your offer more competitive. And waiving competitive. in contingencies will make it more competitive because the seller's going... Yeah. A contingency to inspect it, or I can just let them have it. Man, I'm going to let them have it. Even now, if it's a little bit less, I would, as a seller, if it's all cash, no inspection contingency, I'm taking that over any kind of contingency higher offer. And I would also say this, wrapping this up a little bit, is I would never, I wouldn't make this a business practice. No. I would take no, it case by no, case. No, case by case. House by house. Case by house. Yes. Do not make Great. this a business practice Agreed. to say I'm going to do Agreed. this on everyone. Agree. Um, Great last point. thing is just be patient, you know, on, on your buyer, on, on the buyer offers. I have one buyer that called me this week. She submitted 16 offers and haven't got, hasn't gotten one yet. Now that's, that's the legwork on our end, right? We're the ones having to spin those wheels. We're obviously willing to do that, but be patient. Don't wait. You know, the worst thing that you can do, and I, I know you're going to agree is to buy the wrong house or pay too much right. yes. or yes, 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 yes. It, all of that falls into the right thing. You, if, if you're not getting, here's one other thing too. If you're not getting off your contracts and you've made 16 offers, congratulations. You're, you're looking at the right houses. Yeah. Right. Think about it in that, in those terms, someone else is buying this, right? You submitted an offer. There was eight other offers on there. Congratulations. You're looking at the you're right looking at house. the right product. That's right. Right. You're, you yeah. you are doing. You've done your homework. We've talked about what you're looking for. You are looking for a a property that is popular amongst investors. Congratulations. Now yeah. we just got to tweak it and get a little bit better yeah. about getting it. But just stay patient. And you've learned a ton. You're learning all the way through this. All the way through. So yeah, I don't buy the wrong house. Don't overpay. No, I have overpaid. I have bought the wrong house. It's not worth it. Never. Being patient, you know, there, there, there's gonna be opportunities. Things are gonna. A lot of times, things will come back around. That church I just mentioned, yep. we tried to buy it two years ago. That it just didn't make sense. Yeah, somebody else bought it, didn't work out, and now was an opportunity for us to grab so, it. So, so it's like things, things kind of come, come around. So, all the time, 
all the time. So there's a little bit of how to make your offer more competitive. If you have any questions about this part of it, shoot me an email, dean at crestcore.com. We can go over it, set up a call. Um, but I thought I wanted, I, I just wanted, I'm having, I had this conversation yeah. 20 times over the last two months. So I wanted to kind of put this down on the podcast, let you guys come back and reference it later. Um, so anything else you want to add on offers? I would just, refer, I would just go back to, Hey, it's 2022 and now's the time to build a, a mechanism to be, to buy, to offer, make cash offers. Yes. That's great. Yeah. I Don't, do not, do not neglect that. No. Priority number one, big picture priority number one. Long term. I've even told people, hey, if you're because most of them don't live here. If you're in California, you got a local bank that yes. you're close to. Go get the line of credit yeah. there. Yeah, some banks will give you an unsecured line of credit based on who you are. Who you we are. have had that, like yes. an unsecured line of credit, just because they like dealing with you, and you can use that. Yes, and then go refinance it with some more term out on a mortgage. Yes, I don't mind sharing that. I have one. I've got one that's yes. unsecured. Yeah, they just know I'm going to pay them, and they see my history and stuff like that. But I mean, go to your bank in California. Go to your bank in New York. Wherever i got miami all my guys are from california so go to the you know your, your bank yes. there in sacramento that you have all your cash with hey i need two hundred thousand dollars and that one that is a big step towards all cash offers a big step towards and we'll get our local, that's also too now that we're talking about it, that's also great for our local banks they are it's much easier to get a refinance loan than a yes. brand new loan yes so if you already own the property like it's way easier for me to call some of my local guys here and say hey he wants to you know leverage this and refinance this out it's much easier to get that done. So that's great. Yes, moving the yes. cash and moving um, the ability to move quicker and uh, easier for the seller is the best position. Best position. All yeah. right, let's move to listings. Let's move to okay. now. We're going to take our buyer hat off and put on our seller hat. We now own property across Memphis. Uh, we we see that the market is, is kind of peaking and it's getting yep. on up there. We're thinking about selling. Uh -huh. um, I've, done, I've done regular maintenance on my houses, but I haven't really done anything extra or on top of that if i come to you douglas and i say hey i'm, I'm looking to sell a couple of a couple of houses what might be something that comes to mind that we give them as advice on getting them ready like what would be you know some things we can do to the actual property and 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 our our paperwork our our leases and ledgers and things that, you know uh, what are some of the stuff that you would think of that we need to do to a house to get it ready yeah so i kind of thought a little bit and and, and kind of think when i'm i'm doing this kind of framing it again is like are you gonna are you trying are you selling a vacant house or an occupied house i think either one so, i think we need to give examples to both and or so i think on the occupied house you're that means you're selling to an investor so are you trying to sell to a kind of a diy do-it-yourselfer or are you trying to sell a turnkey type of property mm -hmm. where you're gonna need to to get this out there you're gonna need to do the major updates Mm -hmm. with that tenant and have that high market rent mm -hmm. or you're just going to try and unload it as it is yep and then if it's vacant you're saying it's kind of the, kind of the same thing it's like are you trying to sell it to an owner occupant or are you trying to sell it to an investor who wants kind of a hands-off fixed up product or do you want it to somebody who's going to come in and buy it and do put some sweat equity into it rehab it burr it because those are two separates. Because those are two separate. So again, I'm I'm not, I'm trying to say like what what are you trying to do, seller? Who who's your target? Are you trying to get out quick? You trying to not have to fool with anything? Just let it go. Is it occupied or vacant to start with? So my most common response is the most money. The most and money. I think I mean that that is a 
generic and expected response, but you've got to look at the specifics. And so then we'll go, that's great. So how much how much time do you want to put into this? Yep. You know, do you want to work with the contractor to do some of those things or do you want to just kind of get it? Your time is money, so to speak. So it's how much like, does this mean to you? How much does this mean to you? you want to, we can get it sold quick yeah. like this, or we're going to spend 30 days getting it rehabbed and ready at a higher level. Right. So let's talk about the vacant. Let, let's go the easy route. Let's go the vacant house. Okay. Okay. You got two options. You can broom sweep that thing and sell it to an investor. Yep. Or you can put some money into it and get it into retail residential owner occupant condition, yep. FHA loan. I always yep. tell people that, like, what do you mean? Pass an FHA inspection. That's what yes. you mean. No rotten wood. Yep. Everything works. You know, yeah. that sort of thing. Safe, habitable. And that's, that's, you know, you're going to have to, in, where's that money going to come from to fix it up? Yep. Because it, are you going to have to put a roof on? Are you going to have to put new bathrooms or kitchens? Are you yep. going to have to put new floors? What kind of work are you going to have to do on the outside? Yep. To get it in that retail rent ready, turnkey kind of shape. That's right. I mean, is and it going to be worth it? It's a, there's time and money that you're going to have to invest into that. Yeah. First, just I don't want to say dumping it, but just leaving it as unloading it, letting it go that way. I've done both, you know, because <laughs> right. sometimes you just like I, hey, for the time and the effort, it's not going to be worth what you can just sell it and let Typically, somebody else do that. There's Typically. my, there's my typical advice yeah. is, Hey, you're going to put 20 grand in this to make an extra six. Yeah. And it's going to take you this and, and, and it's going to be that 20 grand that you've got tied up in this. There's a risk in putting that up. I mean, that if you put 20 grand in to make 20 more grand, you know, okay. You know, that's a hundred, that's a hundred percent return. So I guess I could see your cash on cash return there, but 20 grand into a house that is you're going to sell it for six or seven, eight grand more. I mean, it just seems really tough. It seems to me that because here's what would happen anyway, even if you did all the work, the buyer's going to come in and find some other stuff to be done to it anyway. So your 20 grand is going to turn into 23 grand. Right. right? So to me, it's, Unless there's an enormous gap there, right? You yep. bought it really yep. cheap, yep. you know. Yep. But if there's just if there's 20, 30 grand in there total, like that's gonna be tough for you to find the value yeah. and to do just that. Just get it ready. Broom sweep that thing. Make sure that there's no you know, if there's yeah. if the drywall's falling in, replace right. the drywall. Yep. But as long as there's nothing major glaring and everything works, it would it's gonna be my advice to sell it as it is yes. to another investor. Um, unless we can just find the room in there, you know, uh, to create that, you know that extra pop and that extra value of you submitting that money in there to make more money out of it. Uh, I agree. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I totally agree. Oh, take a quick inspection. Okay. One of the things that I, that I'm running into right now, I've got a big one right now that I'm dealing with. And the poor guy just doesn't know anything about the house. If you're getting ready to list a home occupied or not, I'm advising my folks to spend the 150 to $200 to get a rehab inspection done. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I would do, I, I know I wouldn't do the license home inspector because then you know way too much info and yeah. we've got yeah, to disclose all that. Yeah, that no, I would no not reason. do the license home inspection. I would do the general contractor, have him yeah. come in there and tell you. And if he comes back to you and hands you a $6,000 bill, that's like, Hey, for six grand, we can get real rent ready. You at least know your home's in pretty good shape, mm -hmm. right? Tenant in there or not. Cause if there's a tenant in there, been there for two years, you don't know what's going on inside there. If he comes back and says, hey, man, there's 25 grand here. Here's the pictures to show it. Then we'll know how to price it. Mm -hmm. I priced a house the other day or, or it's been a month ago. Tenants paying $1,100. The market rents $1,400. Guy wants $150,000 for it. We've sold it three times. 
The first guy went in and said there was $35,000 in rehab. Man. Second guy drove by there and said there was a close to that 25. You know, he, the third person went by there and didn't even go in. Mm. So then, then the investor calls me back. What's wrong? Why is it? Why? You know, he's upset with me. And I'm like, look, my man, <laughs> I've sold the thing three times. The buyers don't like it. Like, when's the last time you've seen it? Oh, well, the management company does an annual inspection. I go, when's the last time you've seen it? I haven't ever. I go, okay. When's the last time someone sent you a full set of pictures? When I bought it four years ago, I go, my guy, you got to go in there and figure out what's going on. It's in terrible shape. And it's not uncommon for us to not visit a home that's occupied. We don't want to upset the tenant. A lot right, of tenants, as an investor, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they get rattled. They think, yeah. oh my God, it's being sold. Things are changing. Although it isn't. We still don't disturb tenants, right? So it's going to be my advice to you if you don't know. Spend that money to find out what's going on in your home. Okay? It, it is $200, but come on, it's $200. If you're going to really you know, sell this and go out, there's a little expense that's going to go into it. So then get an idea of what that home looks like. It'll mm -hmm. help me price it. It'll help you as the seller to understand the expectations of what's coming, right? If it's in great shape, then you're not going to get beat up. If it's in yeah. bad shape, yeah. you know, you're going to get beat up. So let's price be it plan, accordingly. Be plan for that. Yes. So there's one thing that I would yep. do uh, to make sure your tenant is paying the market rent. You know, yeah, I'm, I get a lot of that. It's a, I just told you the example of it. It's $1,400 rent. The guy just signed a six-month lease for $1,100. Right. And I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, but going again at a high level on this and some of the things I think, and this might be a little bit on managing the manager, but knowing your property. And again, if we're talking about being a long-term investor and working on your business, you want to hire people to run the day-to-day -day so that you can fo excuse me, focus on the bigger picture things, yeah. the bigger picture items. And those are understanding what the values are out in the marketplace, understanding what the after repair value is, understanding just some of the basics about a house. You know, like it, it's not a bad idea to pick up a general building, home building book and yeah. learn like just just breathe, brush up from from the foundation to the roof yeah. what what these components are and who does what knowing that and knowing and, and another thing that I was going to say is is market rents so you want to know the basics about about general home construction you want to know yeah. the ARVs you want to know what the values are in the home and you want to keep in touch with the market rents and yeah. those are the things that are going to make you a better investor and that that I, I know you you're like me one of the things I watch like a hawk is my market rents and the tenant who is a resident who is living in that home based on their lease. So is it an opportunity to raise the rent or do you keep them at a similar rent because they're an awesome tenant? Yeah. So the $1,100 tenant, it might be that tenant's been in there for 10 years and they keep an immaculate home. Yeah. Even though it's below, they pay on time every time. They do the maintenance themselves. They keep it. Look what they've done to the yard. Yeah. They've done this. Look what they've done to the house. They've added this. Yeah. They've added this. So you, it might be worth it to someone under the right scenario, but yeah. you have to be in touch. Yeah. You got to know what's going on. As, know what's going on. So, so more dialing into the market rent, the 1100 versus 1400, you got to be in, you got to know that going into it. And, and, and if it's below and there's a reason you got to be ready to explain it. Yes. And, the reasons and if it's not, then you got to be able to take the consequences of that. That's right. My next one was just make sure that, you know, make sure it's broom swept. If get the trash out, I mean, this sounds 
this sounds elementary, but I mean, I get some sellers that don't get the trash out the attic, clean all that crap out, you know, clean everything out that the last tenant made. If there's uh, the, the fence is leaning and there's boards in the back and there's tires in the back, clean all that crap up. It just go. Cause if you don't, the first thing that the, the, the buyer thinks when you get there is this guy didn't take care of this house. What else are we going to find? Yep. That's the first thing that pops in their head is yeah. there's tires and wood and all that, and back, the trash. Look, the shed's falling over. This guy doesn't take care of it. It's going to be a perception thing going on. So I would broom sweep and keep the thing uh, at least presentable, right? Uh, what else have I got here? Understand the difference between – understand the difference in the value of an occupied home with um, with a tenant for sale versus an owner-occupant residential property. Yeah, that I'm getting that a lot. Uh, yeah. Hey – Hey Dean, what can I sell my house for? At one two three Main Street. Well, the market is one hundred and fifty thousand, but you've got a tenant in here paying nine hundred in rent. I don't know that I can get more than one fifteen, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, like, understand that if you have a home that's occupied with a tenant, it's not necessarily going to bring residential retail value in it. The owners can't move in. The tenants have taken you know, not as good of care of as, as right. an owner yeah. occupant yeah. would. Yeah. So there's just different, it's a different product. Although it's the same house in the, in the market, because you have a tenant in there and it's been in there, it's a different product than the one even next door, right? You might have the identical square feet and bedroom bath count next door. If there's a tenant here that's been living in here and there's an owner occupant that's living in here, this owner occupant house is going to sell for more than this one. Yes. Every single time. So just understanding the yeah. difference in those two, um, but getting yourself ready, uh, you know, have all your leases and ledgers yes. ready. Um, yeah. Have uh, any kind of maintenance records or rehabs yeah. that you've done uh, Again, ready if and it's, available. And, and that's a great point. If you are, we see this all the time. Yeah. If you have a rental house and you, it, it, under self-managed versus professionally managed by a property manager, yep. investors will pay more for a professionally managed house than they would somebody Whew. who managed it themselves and didn't mm-hmm. have the ledgers, the leases, the maintenance records, whereas a property management company can provide all the electronic copies and all that. So just another little thing when you go to sell, think about when you're whether you're choosing to manage or self-manage, that when you go to sell, you better have you know immaculate, meticulous records if you're self-manager. If Let me ask you this, because we've kind of gone through the notes here. If you have, uh, if you're buying a home, you, and it's self-managed and the guy doesn't have any records that scares you off doesn't it yeah i, I mean how many times have you represented a, a, a buyer and a seller and i've been in this situation here <laughs> recently yep. where the other broker called me because yep. they weren't getting information the seller you know we had a seller they had a buyer but we didn't get information and i was like oh you know the seller self-manages <laughs> and the broker was like oh oh that expo- I'm, I'm so sorry i bothered you you should i didn't know that i thought this was professionally managed when it's, it, it, everybody just you discount it oh because, because it's, a, it's a self-manager all right, here's the part two of that question have you ever bought a home that was self-managed and the guy came up with a nice clean spreadsheet and said here you go here's everything I've had guy come with a, a <laughs> index card in their pocket and say, "This here's our my rent." This Look guy, here. I wrote it down the last seven months. I where he like, paid. Oh, wow. you did. Well, congratulations on that. The one thing that I have done from an owner that does that self manages, if they're willing to show us the deposits 
of the rent each month, I'll take that. That's the only case, right? Yeah. I'll accept that. Most of them aren't going to want to show you a bank statement, though. Every every time I've asked that, they're like, "What? I don't want." I mean, if they're willing to do it, and you can show the deposits, fine. But um, yeah. again, not just if you're self managing or choose to self manage, is these are the things you need to just be aware of if yeah. you're going to sell these properties someday. Get your records in line yeah. so that when it comes time to sell. Because when you're selling with a professional management company managing, they've got all those records electronically, easy to sell, send. I can send you all mine with a couple of clicks. Yes. I can get you every lease and ledger. I can get everything with a couple of clicks. Yeah. So that's great um, info to, to, to share with a, you know, to have as a kind of what this is as a seller. Yeah. If you're selling an occupied home, mm -hmm. that's great information to be able to provide a buyer. Yes. 100%. So that is a, that is something to get your stuff in order, and get, get your leases, make sure your leases are up to date, make sure the rent, everything we just talked about. Anything else to add? Those are great. No, man. Okay. Now, I guess if we go back to what, how you start all this and like, and we've said this over, over the past few months, it's like, man, now is really, if, if, if you're starting 2022 and you're thinking you want to get in real estate investing as the buyer side, I would say now, like, Look, make your offers competitive yeah. and go do it right now yeah. because rates are going to go up. Everybody knows that. Inflation's yep. here. Things, 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 it's things coming. are happening. It's coming. Now's the time to buy. Yep. Flip side, and why we talked about getting your house ready to sell, it's like if, there, if you're contemplating selling, you like now is the absolute time before all that other stuff happens. And the more uncertainty, the more things that could go wrong and you'll, you'll miss your window. Some folks, you know, there was a bigger window a year ago. Yeah. And it's so closing. It's closing. So For if sure. you're thinking about selling, like absolutely sell right now, look at your portfolio, look at yeah. your properties it, and, and put it on the market today. I'll give you a free market analysis of uh, what it's going to sell for, what I think we can list it for. Um, I'll get some information from you on it. So I'm, I'm happy to do that too. So yes, you, yeah. you, you are right. All right. I hope this was informational or, or informative today. I hope that this was uh, some uh, good tips on how to improve your offers when you're making offers, some uh, good ideas on ways to structure that offer. And then on our listing and selling side, some very basic and simple things to do just to make your, your house more presentable, more attractive, and hopefully sell it for more money. Yes. All right. Anything else to add? Nope. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you tuning in today uh, the Crush Core Real Estate Hour. We'll be back in two weeks. We're going to be on our regular schedule of every two weeks, uh, I think, from here to eternity. Let's do I it. Understand. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye.